0: Good evening. Oh, praise God! Praise God! So let me start by telling you a little bit about myself. Uh, Cheryl and I have been married for 33 years. Uh, we have three children, three grandchildren, and one son-in-law. And uh, I just want to uh, thank Cheryl for. All those years she stood by me and encouraged me and prayed for me. I also want to thank, I have uh, my family here tonight. I have a, besides the family I just told you about, I have a sister and brother in law who are here from Greeley, Colorado. And uh, my father's here from Barnard, Kansas. So, so I've had uh, several waterfall moments in my life that have strengthened my faith over the past 40 years. So here goes. I was raised in a small farming community in Kansas. And uh, my family and I, we went to a small Baptist church there. Now, uh, I grew up in, or I, I went to uh, church there and some, all through. Uh, let me just look at here, Okay. <laughs> somebody told me, oh, you just get up there and tell about your life. But, you know, (laughs) so, so we attended uh, the, and I attended Sunday school regularly as a child. And I learned many lessons uh, through Sunday school. And I think it, uh, I know it uh, built a foundation, a spiritual foundation for me. Uh, Then one summer, our church had a revival and uh, I was saved and uh, baptized. And that was when I was 13 years old. And uh, I know people talk about, uh, you know, kids having salvation experiences, but I had a true salvation experience and I wanted to serve God. Okay. Uh, the sad thing about... Uh, whew, calm down. God's with me. Uh, the sad thing about this and uh, was uh, that uh, the church taught great uh, about getting saved, you know, but there was no... Uh, spiritual growth there. They didn't teach, they taught uh, how to, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So, so it didn't really teach me about having a personal relationship with God, just about what not to do. Uh, basically, how to stay out of hell, but not to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that that's what matters. Uh, so, uh, my parents don't And ran a dry goods store. They had a filling station, and we also uh, farmed on the family farm. Now, when uh, during my high school years, my parents uh, quit going to church regularly, and so did I. Now I can look back on this time, and uh, I could I I could be tempted to blame the uh, the members of the prominent members of the Baptist Church there, but uh, you uh, you can't do that. You've got to, because uh, people are going to fail you, you know. So you've got to keep your eyes on Christ, and you've got to stay focused on Christ. Because people will let you down, uh, God won't. But you need to forgive people also. So. Okay. so I still tried to follow God, but the world crept into my life. Um. Uh, in high school, I got into with a group of friends, uh, and we start drinking. And so, uh, it's hard to follow God, uh, when you're not going to church and you're not, uh, you know, praying and, uh, reading the Bible. And it's just hard to follow God when you're, you're not doing those things and you're into the world. So, uh, so, I played sports and all, and run around with these friends, and then they started getting into drugs and so my best friend and i uh, we didn 't want any part of that. Uh, my mom had uh, taught at a girls industrial school it uh, 's kind of like a, a a school for girls who 've been bad, I guess what you say <laughs> kind of and so and they taught them a skill well i'd heard stories from her about these uh, girls getting into drugs and stuff, and so I knew that uh, I didn't want any part of that. So during my senior year, my best friend and I, we kind of broke away from that group, and we were on our own. Now, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I hadn't thought about college much, you know, I hadn't thought about a career, because, uh, you know, I just really wasn't, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I just didn't think about, I wasn't big into school, I uh, made okay grades, I wasn't uh, you know, just a star pupil so but uh, and I knew i couldn 't stay and farm because my older brother had chose uh, to stay in farm, and uh, also uh, I knew that uh, with asthma i didn 't want to stay in in farm for a living with asthma so now uh, <laughs> Now, my parents didn't have a lot of money, and so uh, I decided to uh, go to a small Christian college in Missouri, where you can work your way through. You go to school year-round, um, and you work so many hours a week, and then on so many your vacation, you work so many uh, work weeks for your vacation. So I uh, so I decided to to go there. So if I figured I figured if I didn't like college, then my parents wouldn't be out of any money if I quit. So I left Kansas to attend uh, where chapel was mandatory. It was a small uh, private Christian college. Uh, chapel is mandatory and you're required to take a certain amount, certain amount of Bible classes. Now I thought uh, this would be a good way for me to change my life. And it should have been a good start for me to change my life. But when I first got to college, I went to from freshman mixers and I met some Christians, but I really didn't get involved in in-campus ministries. So uh, I majored in aviation science and fell into the. Most of my uh, fellow students in the aviation program uh, weren't Christians, and so I kind of fell back into that worldly way, and really hadn't changed anything. Then uh, along comes Cheryl. So I met I met Cheryl. She was the hottest thing in the snack bar, and. Uh, Sorry, that was that, <laughs> And she would make me Pepsi Freezes. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, so after a while, uh, so after a wh- while, we'd been dating for a while, and then I went to visit her family one weekend and attended the Assembly of God Church where her father was a pastor. Now, let me just stop here and tell you I know some of you know, Alan, Pastor Ronnie, there is nothing the same between, there's nothing similar between a small Baptist church in Kansas and a Southern Assembly of God church in Missouri. Sure, they both have front doors, wooden pews, and a pulpit, but beyond that, nothing. Okay. Okay. So being raised Baptist, I'd heard of the Holy Spirit, but not in the Pentecostal way. The church was a Southern Murray, Missouri Semigod church, like I said, where people would sometimes praise and worship in their prayer language, give prophecies, speak in tongues, and give interpretations of tongues in the services. Now, I'd never experienced the manifest, manifestations of the Holy Spirit in this way. In the first two to- few times, it scared me. And I'm telling you, it scared me. I know some of you may have been uncomfortable when you come to this church and you see the dancers up front. Nothing like it. <laughs> Nothing. I'm 18 years old. I'm experiencing the movements of the Holy Spirit, and it scared me. <laughs> so uh, so I didn't, I didn't know what to think at first, but after listening to her father's sermons and singing the Holy Spirit at work in people, uh, I knew the Holy Spirit was real. And then I started thinking God was going and then I started thinking God was going to tell Cheryl's father just how much of a sinner I was. <laughs> and I I was scared, but I was scared to be dating his daughter, but liked her so much I continued visiting on weekends and going to her father's church. And now that I look back on that time, I see that God was preparing me for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But at the time I was just a scared kid. Uh, like I said, at college we had mandatory chapel, but the sermons were so dry they didn't get, I didn't get much out of them. And this time I spent at Cheryl's father's church was totally different. Uh, the services were fresh and lively, and I'd never heard sermons that uh, dealt with living a life for God instead of living a life to stay out of hell. So... Uh, Cheryl and I dated all through college, and she stuck by me even though I didn't mature, mature very much. Uh, we married after college, and then we had to choose where to go to church. I wasn't totally ready to commit to a Pentecostal church, so we decided to compromise, and we would try both a Baptist and a Pentecost or an Assembly of God church. After we settled down, so we moved to. I got a job out of college. We moved to in Kansas. I started working for an aircraft FBO. Now, my boss happened to be uh, a member of a Southern Baptist church, and so he invited me to go to church there. So we started attending their church. Uh, We attended there for five months. I was laid off, and then we moved to Billings, Montana. Uh, And so now we had been going to the uh, Baptist church, so now it was time to go to an assembly church. We'd done mine, now it's Cheryl's turn. So, we visited a couple of AG churches in Billings, Montana, uh, and started attending Park Hill Assembly. Now, it wasn't your Southern Missouri AG church, so I felt comfortable. We got involved there. Uh, We started ministering. I taught rural rangers, I ushered, and we made some good friends there. And uh, so, I felt comfortable there. Now, uh, you know, occasionally the Holy Spirit... Being in a Pentecostal Assembly of God church, they would talk about the Holy Spirit, and they would have times for people to you know, come up and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I would go forward, but I never got filled at that church. Uh, let me see where I am here. Pause in my life here for a moment. Okay, so, so then we lived there for a year and a half, and then uh, we moved... I got laid off again. So we moved back to Kansas. Now, uh, I think it was about three months before I got a job. So uh, during this time... Now, my, my parents, like I said, had stopped going to the, to the Baptist church. Now, we moved back to Kansas, and my parents are going to a charismatic church. Okay? And it's, it's not in the town that, where they went to the Baptist church. So... Uh, now this is interesting to me, because uh, since they had been hadn't hadn't been attending the local church, but they were involved with the church now. It was talking about the Holy Spirit. So, and I was supposed to be the Pentecostal one. I had been attending a <laughs> Pentecostal church. And this is like this is this is you know different. So. Uh, so some of their church group from the charismatic church decided to go to the local Baptist church because they were having a revival. So we went with them, and we prayed over the pews. We, we went early. We walked around the sanctuary praying over the pews. Now, uh, then, so then the, the, uh, the local Baptist church, I mean the local church, the Baptist, uh, thought my parents were in a cult. Going to this charismatic church, and then here we go, and we pray over the pews early, and some there. But uh, so they had the had the revival, and the, the town alcoholic was radically saved. And you uh, know, it was uh, it was an experience for me to let me find my place here. So, uh, and he was radically changed in an instant. He never touched another drop of alcohol. So I'd known this man for many years and he'd worked for my father. And, uh, but the interesting thing is uh, well first it showed me the power of God when a group of believers uh, come together and pray for the salvation of souls even when the local church didn't participate in it. Now it made some people excited, excited and some others skeptical about this man getting radically saved. And uh, that's interesting to me because it's amazing how some people see a miracle from God one way and some people see it in another. Uh, but uh, so, so that was a, a small, or that was a waterfall moment for me because I saw the power of God when people get together and pray and what can change people's lives. All right. So then... Uh, one night, uh, the charismatic church, they're going to have a guest speaker and he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. So the whole, my brother and my father and I, we all drove, uh, drove down uh, to the town. It was about 20 miles away. And I prayed. I was sitting in the back seat. I remember and I prayed the whole time going down there to, to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, Cheryl couldn't go because they didn't have child care, So she stayed at home with our daughter. Now... I don't remember, Uh, okay. So, when they had an altar call, I went forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all I remember was, and those of you who go to a Pentecost, have been in Pentecost church, know that generally they lay their hands on your head and a lot of people are slain in the Spirit. Well, I remember the, the person laying hands on me and then nothing after that until I, I kind of, guess, come to, in a way. And I heard myself <laughs> praying in tongues. Now, uh, my, my dad said that the speaker walked up to me, put his hands on his forehead, but I, didn't be, I wasn't slain in the spirit. I just started speaking in tongues. And, that, and then, like I say, that's why. Uh, so then, when I kind of come to and heard myself, I don't know how long I was under the spirit, if you say, in a way, <laughs> or in the Spirit, but anyway. Uh, but, uh, so, so, after he- so, after hearing teachings on the baptism of the Holy Spirit for six years, I'd received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This same night, Cheryl prayed to be filled with the Spirit and was while at home. So, this was a big waterfall moment for me. I'd heard the teachings about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the ev- evidence of speaking in tongues for many years, had seen the evidence in Cheryl's father's church, gone up for prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a church in Montana, but now I'd received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Since my salvation experience, I'd known God was real. I knew that Jesus was the Son of God, died for my sins, believed in the Trinity, but now the Holy Spirit was working within me. And for me, there are times when then I don't know how to pray. I don't know if you've had these times. And I I just pray in tongues because you know you're praying God's will if the Holy Spirit is praying with you. And also, times when I'm really grieving over something, just have a heavy heart, then the Spirit will take over and just pray with me, for me. so then, uh, watch my time here. So, uh, so then, over the next 15 to 20 years, we moved around a lot. Uh, we moved to Tennessee, started attending this church when it was the little chapel right over here where the youth meet now. We're here for three and a half years, uh, got laid off. And I, I will say that all these, I, we've moved a lot, Cheryl and I, I think the first. Ten years of our life, we moved to eleven different places. I mean, houses, not necessarily eleven different, uh, you know, areas. But anyway, uh, that was an ad lib, and now I forgot where I was going. So, oh, I'm sorry. So, so what I was about ready to say was, thank you, God, that uh, that uh, I've not always listen to God. I, I feel sometimes that, you know, I've moved, and I should have stayed. You know, but uh, I'm back where I need to be now. So so we so we were here for three and a half years, attended this church, moved away for five, and now we moved back. We've been back about 16 years attending this church. So... Okay, so now we're back in Smyrna, Tennessee again. So... Uh, God started working on me about mission trips. Okay, now Pastor Bruce asked if Cheryl and I would pray about going on a mission trip. Now the working, the mission trips were working ministry trips, but there's still uh, a time to minister to people. Now you can probably tell I'm not uh, I'm not real good at speaking in front of people. <laughs> Uh, and it, it, it scares me. And without God up here, I wouldn't be up here. Without God telling me to do this, I would not be up here. I can just tell you that. Uh, so, but there's still, but there's still ministry to people, and you know, and like I said, I didn't want to do that, but I felt God calling me to go. And then Pastor Bruce made a simple and effective statement about mission trips, and I know probably some of you have been on. Trips with him. But he said, People need the Lord. Those four words. And uh, so I knew God was calling me and I had to go. And I also knew that Jesus ministered to people physically and then always taught them the word afterwards. So, um, and this is what ministry is supposed to be. So, I started going on mission trips. I uh, went to Bloxy, uh, Mississippi. I've been to Peru. I've been to King Africa. I've been to War, West Virginia. And uh, the awesome thing about mission trips is I like to travel. So it's a bonus because you get to go minister to people and travel on top of it. So my first mission trip was to Peru. Yes. So. So we're going to Peru, and uh, I know we're going to be building a church. Okay, and uh, but I don't have any particular building skills. I'm an aircraft mechanic, and so some of the guys going along, you know, they were were good builders and all. So uh, I'm I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to be doing? You know, God, what are you going to have me do? Well, it just so happened God had other plans because I knew we were going to be traveling upriver on a on a boat for two days, and it just so happened the boat mechanic uh, couldn't make it on this trip. So I ended up for two days going upriver, working on the boat's engines, uh, and fixing other things on the boat. And uh, I was just, I was happy as could be, and God had, his, they had the boat mechanic they needed to help out. Uh, I don't know if I'm going too fast here or not. <laughs> Sheriff told me not to ad lib, I'd get off track. So <laughs> I just make long pauses and am kind of pondering. <laughs> okay. So now I'd been on several mission trips and the more I went, went on, the more I needed to study the word and be prepared if pa- Pastor Bruce asked me to share. And uh, so, but this scared me. And every time I went, I knew it could be a time of sharing, but God called me, I went so uh we go to we go to Biloxi, we work with the people, build their homes uh went to I've been to war west virginia uh that's mission trips are an experience in themselves, and just to uh to go on a mission trip you you just Number one, uh, if you go to overseas or even like War West Virginia, you'll see just how blessed we are. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing how much we have. And you will come back and just thank God for everything you have because we are very, very blessed. So we go on a mission trip to Kenya, Africa. It was in Beta, Africa. Now, we went with another, another church, and I, and I can't remember the, the church, but there was a, a five or six people from another church. So we have Pastor Bruce, we have Pastor Willie from the other church, and we have the missionary. So the missionary says that, okay, they've got three churches, they need someone from our group to speak at. So I think, we're covered. Pastor Bruce, <laughs> Pastor Willie, and Don, the missionary from Ambita. So we've got it. So Pastor Bruce comes to us one evening and says, that Don is going to let someone else speak. <laughs> and so he asked if anyone would like to speak. Now, I'm telling you, so, you know, I've been knowing. I've been going on these mission trips, and this is what I should be doing. I should also be sharing. But, I mean, it, it scared me. <laughs> so, uh, every part of my body wanted to say no. But deep down, I knew in my spirit this was the time. Because, you know, I, I, I remember thinking before going, I'm thinking, you know, about God, you know, put the power on me so I can go and pray for people and they can get healed. But then I got to thinking about that and thinking, you know, If I can't even speak to people, you know, I need to minister to them. I need to have that so I can minister to people and be able to speak to people and share the gospel. So I'm like, rein myself back in, you know, and think, this is what you need to do first. Grow your faith and then God will give you that. And so, we're on time here. So I submitted to God and to Pastor Bruce. <laughs> so uh, another, gen- another gentleman and I, we both spoke at this church. Uh, actually, Frank Toper's son-in-law spoke with. Him. He shared and I shared. And uh, the, it, it, I, was, I was scared, but the thing about that different than up here, was when you're over there sharing, you have an interpreter. So you can read something. He can say what you said. You have no idea what he's saying. You, well, he's saying, but you have time to collect your thoughts for the next time you have to speak. And you do it in little spurts here. Here I just have pauses and to get back to my place. So... So, and here's a here's a uh, here's a, a another a pretty big waterfall moment for me. So we're on a on a mission trip in War, West Virginia, and uh, there was another there was actually uh, a, a, another group there, just two gentlemen. But uh, Bruce asked me to go with this other gentleman over to fix some uh, this young couple's house. They had a foundation problem, and we had to replace a, a seal joist, I think, under there. So we go over there, and, and him and I are working under this house. And it's, uh, you, you can actually walk under the crawl space part of it, and then it gets lower. But, so we're under there, and it's, you know, it's, it's nasty under there. And then we hear water running. And uh, they were upstairs like taking a shower, they'd said, and water's just pouring underneath the house. Not where we were, but over to the side. So this young man it comes out, and he starts talking to me. So we go into the house, and I show him, you know, he has a water leak. And he looks around and sees under the house. And uh, let me get my words here. So, uh, Yeah, and so he looks around and knows how wet muddy and nasty it is under the house. And then he came back out. Now, his next words were, why are you... Said, why are you here under? Why are you here working under my house and you don't even know me? And, you know, I looked at him and in my mind I asked myself the same question. Have you ever had those moments where somebody asks you something and time just stands still? This was one of those moments. I'm sitting there looking at this young man and my mind is racing. You know, because I'm asking myself the same question. Why am I here? Did I really know why I was under someone else's house in filth when most people won't even crawl under their own house? And like I say, my mind is just, it seemed like it was five minutes. I'm sure it was just seconds before I answered him. But I'm standing there looking at him and he's expecting an answer back from me. And my mind is just racing. And then Pastor Bruce's statement came back to me. People need the Lord. And so I said to him, because I want to serve God. Just, that was it. Uh, and then he just, he had to go to work, so, so he left. But my point, is, <clears throat> my point here is, when we are ministering to others, do we know why we're doing it? And are we doing it for God? So another uh, waterfall is a few years back, a group of us from this church went to uh, Promise Keepers. Now, the main theme was there was Warriors for Christ. And I came away from that weekend conference uh, knowing, you would have thought I would have known it years before, but knowing that I needed to be the spiritual head of my household and be a warrior for Christ. And there was just something about that conference that really made it sink in. And I knew that that's what I needed to be. You know, they they talked about uh, the the sin in the world. And, And of course, obviously, it was focused, the conference was focused on men. And so, but they talked about it. And I really thought about this, how much sin men do cause in the world pornography there's drugs there's alcohol there's abuse and a lot of that is caused by men i'm not saying women don't sin whatsoever but i'm saying a lot of that sin comes from men so that's why they you know we do need to be the spiritual head of our household uh, so so men we need to be the spiritual leaders of our household Uh, We have to choose whom we will serve. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, Pastor Barbie said Sunday that wives need to show their husbands respect. Well, men, we need to be the priest of our household so they can show us that respect. And we also need to serve our, body, our church body and serve in our church. Um, I, I think that is a huge deal to serve your church body and to serve in your church. Um, it's, a, it's an excellent way because I don't think if you serve, you don't feel a part of the body. That makes you feel a part of the body if you, if you serve. So... Oh, I've got to hurry here. Okay, so in February, Cheryl and I went uh, with our church group to Israel. Now, this is an experience of a lifetime to go to Israel. And uh, there, there were so many moments that just were memorable for me, but uh, one, one of them was when we were actually walking up the southern steps of the temple and to just know that Jesus had walked there. I'm there. It's, it just really got to me. And then, uh, then we went to the tomb. Now only a few people can go in the tomb at one time. Uh, So we waited our turn to go inside. And then we went inside and I stood there looking at the the rock where they'd laid Jesus' body and this got to me. I'm going to have to read this for you. Uh, okay. Uh, it, it was just an experience of a lifetime. Uh, so, so I felt tears wear up, well up in my eyes and thought about Jesus, what Jesus had went through for me. You know, as Christians, we, we know, we hear all the time that he has risen. You know, we, we know it and we hear it all the time. And when we left this tomb, the tomb, there was a sign above the door that said, He is, he is not here. He is risen. And uh, that, that got to me. I, oh, I wept. <laughs> so, just to I mean, it was, it was. I don't know why it affected me so, but just to know that walking out of there, that he had risen. I knew that, but just to see that, for them to see that was just... Okay. So our group went from there to a gazebo there in the garden, and I was honored to be asked by Pastor Bruce to serve the the wine and the bread to... My brothers and sisters in Christ there, and that was a real honor to me since I serve uh, communion here in the church to be able to do it over there. Okay, so things in my walk today. What keeps me? uh, Yeah, What, what? I don't know what to say. So Sunday school. Uh, I, I need the teachings in Sunday school to keep me focused on Christ. To me, you're never too old to go to Sunday school. No. I know that's a plug for Rodney, but it's, it, it, just, it just is. I mean, uh, you develop... We, we, we actually have, what, 60, 70 some, people sometimes now on Sunday school. We've got a great Sunday school group. Uh, we fellowship before That's kind of extra thrown in there. But anyway, so you can. uh, Bible reading. Uh, Now, this is hard for me because I'm not a big reader. My family can tell you that. We kind of have a joke that we won't discuss with anybody. (laughs) Okay? Uh, So, but, so I've had to discipline myself to read the Bible. So, the past few years, Ronnie has challenged us to read the Bible in a year. And uh, so. I did that sometimes the first few years, you know, I didn't necessarily finish. But this year, I'm, uh, I have a, pl- a plan, a Bible, Bible plan on my phone. And uh, so it has a devotional with it, which is awesome to, to kind of, the devotional goes along with the verses. And so I read the devotional and then read the verses. And I do this every morning before I start work. Uh, and it, it really makes a huge difference for me if I had that word first it makes my day go better things come up Uh, it it makes my day definitely go better so prayer Uh, I have about 25 minutes to drive to work in the morning uh, and I don't turn the radio on I pray that whole 25 minutes going to work and then I'm able to go and read the. and then I actually go to work and I read Uh, before I start work I read my devotional and my Bible readings there Prayer. Oh, <laughs> okay. And then, uh, then at night, uh, if Cheryl and I go to bed together at the same time, then, uh, I pray with her and I pray for her. Uh, this has come about from what pastor Ke- Kevin, uh, challenged the men, I don't know, a few months back. I can't remember what to do. So we started doing it, challenged us to do it for a week and we've kept doing it. And, uh, it makes a huge difference. I know Cheryl very much appreciates it. Uh, mission trips. Uh, like I said, I enjoy traveling. I feel called to serve God on mission trips. And I will say it again I feel we need to serve our church body. But we also need to serve the body of Christ wherever God may ask us to go. Mission trips are a way to show us what other Christians are experiencing just how much God has blessed us. Oh, and that's how I got ahead of myself. So I talked about going to different parts of the United States. Uh, But it also, it'll just show you how much faith other Christians have in other countries. I remember years ago, I used to think that the U.S., United States, you know, we were the spiritual ones. Let me tell you, there's spiritual Christians everywhere in the world. Sometimes I think they maybe have more faith because they need more faith to get through more things that they have. We have many more blessings here or many... yeah. God blesses us all. Let me rephrase that. We have many more amenities here that make our lives much easier. So... Okay. Okay. So, in closing here, (laughs) you can do this. I don't get hooked up in my... You can go ahead and come on up. Okay. There is a point to this. My mother-in-law was visiting us a few years ago. And my grandsons, uh, they're into superheroes at the time. Uh, That's probably a couple years ago. So my mother-in-law made us all capes. So I always think of myself as Super Papa. And then she put a So... But, uh, so we, so we, uh, so when the grandsons come over, we fly around the house and we're always fighting villains. Sometimes we are the villains, but, uh, but one day, uh, my grandson Jonah, uh, he's the middle one. He says, Papa, you be screwdriver man. So here's how that come about, uh, I'd always fix things for Cheryl, my children, grandchildren. And uh, so we're at Cheryl's mom's house one day. And uh, we're talking about fixing something. Now, Jonah, he's about three at the time. He knows where the screwdrivers are kept at my mother-in-law's house. So he says, uh, I get screwdriver, Papa. He runs and gets a screwdriver and brings it back to me. So that's how, in his mind, I I was screwdriver, man. Me, I'm super (laughs) Papa. So... So here's the point to this. Jesus talked about having faith like a little child. Now, Matthew 18:2 through 3 says, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Mark 10:15 says, truly, I tell you, anyone who will, not re- who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And this is, this is something that I just got from my devotion the other day. Jesus is not suggesting that we become like children in every aspect. We are not to give in to every childish whim or assume no responsibility for our actions. But like children, we are to, open, to be open and receptive, to be honest about our feelings, acknowledging how fragile and vulnerable we are, how much we need others. Like children, we need to be quick to forgive, quick to move on and trust. Children are usually enthusiastic, appreciative, and excited when given gifts, When it comes to God's kingdom, we are to be exactly the same dependent on Jesus' gift to us, ready to accept it as a gift which we do not, we don't deserve, but which Jesus in his mercy offers to us. So do we have faith like a child that God can do anything? Do we believe everything in the Bible? Do we believe God is always the best father and gives us what we need and disciplines us when we need it? Do we believe God loves us unconditionally? Matthew 17:20 says, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you. Romans 1 17 says, for the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from most first to last it is written righteousness, the righteous will live by faith. So it is my desire to have a strong faith to believe God could and would do anything for us according to his will. I want to believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll give you a blessing. God, I just want to, just want us to realize how much we need you, Lord God. God, I want you to be with us. Strengthen our faith, Lord God. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to be the men and women that you want us to be in Christ, Lord. Help us to want to follow you, Lord God love you, and serve. Not only serve you, but serve others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.